Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, people. This is DJ. This is Ish. And this is Season season 3 of Better Let Let Me Tell tell You. That that other song reminds me of chasing the sun. I love that song. Oh, 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 that song. That was a good song. I love that song. But you know, here we are. Fake Friday. Oh, we're recording. Episode 116. I don't know. I felt like doing a Icantina intro. (laughs) Let's do the Icantina intro. You know, here we are. Nice. Nice. Easy. Easy. But you know, we never, never record an episode. Nice. Easy. We like to do things nice, rough. <laughs> and this is how you do. But let me tell you, <laughs> episode 116. Um, and we move further and further away from episode 100. At rumbo que vamos, we're never going to have this party. How is everybody? Happy Friday. Happy Pedro Friday. Happy... Entre la corona, everything happy. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about our friends at Only in Date. You mean... AKA burning cars. Okay, I, we need to talk about that. So I, I like everybody else. We love only in date. Yes, I think that only in date has become like a better news source than the news it's, source. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. Like I get I, I, sometimes I'm going through their stories and I'm like, oh shit, the curfew's back. And you know what's like, interesting <laughs> about only in date is that there's no editor editorializing. It's not like it's not an opinion thing. Yeah, it's they're just posting here. things. This, right. This happened. And I and and what I keep saying, and you and I have joked about this, but like when you follow them and you see their content on a daily basis, like I start wondering. I drive the Palmetto 
every single day, which in Miami, <laughs> as we know, the Palmetto is the like thoroughfare. Yes, it's like mm-hmm. the you know like the the Mount Everest of high of highways. Ahí pasa todo, and it goes through Hialeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, once you go through Hialeah, man. man. And I don't see burning cars like the. It, only in day, it's like at least three or four burning cars a, a day. day. A day. A day. And you know what I love? When like, it can, people already know now, when they see a burning car, you send it to oh, only the, a day. But what else are you supposed to do? <laughs> so, I feel I feel like it should be one of those things, like the 411, where it's like, if you're in an accident, call 911, and then call 411. So it's like, if you see a burning car, call 911, then post to only right, a day. And then what I love is that many times you see the same burning car from different angles. <laughs> <laughs> Helps with the insurance claim, I'm sure. No, no. <laughs> it's like okay you have like the you know opposite view and then you have like the side view and then you hear the people saying only in date oh lord lord with their, with their little their little tag on the side there no and I love I love when people post like stupid shit on boats oh my god well we have we have an opinion on certain people stupid shit on boats on stupid shit on boats oh people do the stupid shit on boats people do the stupid shit on regattas that's like that's... regattas people forget like that everything you know I've been I've been to a few regattas. I, I've never been. You've never been to a regatta that, that I know of. How can you not know that if you went to a regatta? You know, okay. First of all, you know me. Like I may have been at one, and I didn't like, and there was just a lot of boats there, but I didn't know it was a regatta necessarily. Like maybe it was the regatta. The regatta is one of those things. It's usually like the Columbus Day regatta, which I guess now we have to call Indigenous Peoples we Day regatta. Kind of went to a regatta one time. The time we went on the boat that time. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Because yeah, I remember, okay, see, that's what I mean. Like, I remember where where he parked the boat. Right, th- there was other boats. Right, because obviously there's regattas for certain events. weekends and certain events and right. certain you know holidays. But the sandbar is very you know when the, the sandbar is there, people just go okay, to so the then, sandbar. Yeah, so then I have been to a regatta because when right. I think regatta, I think of like the like you were saying the specific like this long weekend regatta type of thing. Uh, okay, look at when you go on a random weekend and you just go to the sandbar, which technically is a regatta it's the same thing it's just not as crowded right the problem with the regattas as we all know <laughs> is that you're there all day and you're, you're having a good time you're drinking. you're drinking and when it's time to go back to black point marina people, you wind up on only in date you, you wind up on, <laughs> you only, wind up on date. only in date that is i mean that's it that's shorthand right now Moving i forward. also love what on only a date <laughs> this is not as common, but they they posted when they post that one idiot who was reversing the car into the marina to like oh, their boat, yeah. and they either didn't put their brake on or whatever, and the car ends up in the water, they or they you know wanted insurance claims to get a new car. Either way, um, I, I I love it. So you know, our hats off to Only and Dade. We love Only and Dade. <laughs> okay, you know what? Again, what's what's I think fascinating about that Instagram page is that it, you know, as I said, there's no editorializing. It's not no. like, like the creators mm-hmm. of only in date are there like uh, curating or like right. when putting they, on, a certain, on, on the off times they do create content. It's literally just them like interviewing. Right. DJ last. I mean, you know, or what they're like putting are firsthand videos and pictures of people here in Miami. Yeah, and, and it's funny how if, if you want, if you ever want to, Say what we're always talking about, about like the personality of Miami and our culture and all oh, that. Yeah. Just look at only a day. It's like, or, I mean, that is organic. Oh, no, for sure. Like, the, there's nothing, there's nothing fake about like about that. that is organic because it's, it's by the people for the people. <laughs> For the people of only in date. For better or worse. I love, I love the, you know, there's a Broward equivalent, right? Uh, uh, whatever. 
Uh, what is it, Las Olas? It's like, oh wow, brawl fight at Las Olas. Oh. Uh, whatever. You know, wow. Uh, Tough actually, times. It's funny you bring up Instagram because I actually wanted to bring something up because this will be, that's just be like the second week in a row that I I bring up your legal expertise oh. in relation to Instagram. So you may have heard. Um, I don't know if it was this week or last week, but uh, I one of the I think it's like Miami Lakes Hialeah area um, anti BLM protest i guess so there was a blm protest and there was yes. anti there was people anti-protesting right. across the street or whatever who were anti-protesting who all swear they're not racist right right well <laughs> there was a 17 year old who took pictures mm-hmm. of the people at that event at that event the, the anti-whatevers he posted it on his instagram and in the caption he said something to the effect of he basically called them racist i, I believe he even mm-hmm. used the word racist okay. right well a day or two later, he actually got a letter from a lawyer representing some or all of those people. Mm-hmm. And I totally thought of you because the lawyer ended it with uh, govern yourself, govern yourself accordingly. accordingly. Basically saying that, you know, he had for him to take it down if because he's alleging people are racist. He doesn't know that they're racist. Um, and, you know, otherwise he could face legal action. Blah, blah. Again, a 17 year old. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is a lawyer and these are adults or whatever. My question to you is. Is that defamation? Yeah, because here's the thing. Especially in this day and age, I would imagine that unless unless you can prove, like if they like you see some I mean, extreme example, but like you see them like lynching a black man. For you to say somebody's a, just to say it, right? Like to say they're a racist or they're not holding a KKK sign or whatever, in this very heated climate, that really could become a a lightning rod for that person's, you know, job or, or what have you. Right. And again, just because you are at the protest doesn't quote, unquote, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking hypotheticals, it doesn't quote unquote make you a racist. I mean, right. in the, in the, I guess, definition. So let me, ask, cause I don't know about this post. Okay. In, I didn't see the, the post, post either. I saw it because Billy Corbin is all about name it. name anyone in particular? No, because he did not know these So people. he just, let's say it's a crowd. He took a picture of a crowd. Um, and, no. And he labeled them as racists. No, that's not, I don't think that's defamation. Um, first of all, he's not naming someone in particular. Mm-hmm. So he is not, um, he is not attacking the reputation of someone. Uh, first off. Secondly. Well, but couldn't you make the argument that by labeling someone a racist, if they, and again, I didn't see the picture. If their faces are clearly visible, you are not naming them, but. But you're not. And he could say, so you, you have to say, and he posted this on Instagram, you said. Yes. Okay, so that was a published element because you have to publish it. Right. Um, I would, okay, so I'm going to try to argue both sides of this. Okay. So on the one and hand. as you do that, I'm actually going to look up the so, story. <laughs> so on the one hand, uh, what you said, if I was the attorney of the crowd, <laughs> that is the argument that I would make. It's like, okay, you didn't say a name, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know, you are you are showing my clients, uh, and this is what they're doing, and you're calling them racist. But then on his side, I would defend that it doesn't meet all the elements of of rate of defamation because, first of all, that's his opinion. Mm-hmm. Opinions are not subject so to defamation. He, so here's what he. So I, I have here. So he posted the picture. His whole thing was he was at the at the rally, right? And he's like, people are always taking the pictures of like the protesters, right? Never right. of the anti, right? Whatever. 
And so he took the picture of them, and they were all they were they were wearing you know they were had signs that said like Cubans for Trump and MAGA hats and whatever. And then he he posted several. Actually, they were on Twitter. It wasn't on Instagram. But he it was la- on Twitter. It was on Twitter, which you know the cesspool that Twitter is. He labeled it hashtag racists of Miami lakes. And he says, I wrote that because they're actively going against a Black Lives Matter protest. If you don't agree that Black Lives Matter, then you're a racist, he says. Okay. In in a the defamation in a defamation case, you have to have some type of injury or damage. Mm-hmm. Like in any any case you have to have damage so that was so that would be one of the things that i would look into nobody has anybody been damaged by this kid's instagram post so the so the thread gathered several thousand likes by the time that the kid woke up on monday so he this was like on a sunday he went to bed he woke up there was an email from miami lakes attorney douglas jeffrey threatening to sue him for defamation and his parents for quote-unquote vicarious liability nope, you can't do and quote-unquote negligent supervision. You can't do that. You can't do that and that attorney should know better. You can't sue a minor for for acts of their kid. You can't sue parents for acts of their minor child. So after he took down the Twitter thread, he did receive messages and comments from many lawyers who specialize in First Amendment rights who said Jeffrey's letter was meritless. It, it was. I mean, and, and, and many of them said that they would help him fight it pro bono. And shame on, shame on that attorney for doing that. You, for, I mean, there's... Okay, so there's a couple of layers here. Yeah. First of <laughs> Peel all... Peel back that layer. First of all, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't sue parents... For the tortious or negligent acts. What's tortious? To- a tort. Oh, okay. So negligence. You can't sue a parent for the negligent acts or let's say criminal mm-hmm. acts of their minor children. So in other you words, can't. a kid goes in and shoplifts. You can't arrest the parent oh, for the I mean, shoplifting. Can you just imagine right, 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 if, right, right, if, right. if you could? I'm right, right, saying, like, 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 let's whittle it down I'm for... Even, yeah. yeah. I mean, can you just imagine if you could sue parents for the behavior of their children? Right. I mean, you can't. So shame on that attorney... For even going there, um, in terms of the defamation, a defamation case against and I, them, and I do have here that according to Florida statutes, a defendant is guilty of defamation if they publish statements about someone that can harm that person's reputation and can be proven false. The thing is that the question of whether calling someone a racist counts as defamation has come up in recent years, but a number of legal opinions have found that the term racist is an opinion and therefore protected by the First Amendment. That's the first thing I I said. I'm like, this is his opinion, right? Because one thing is for you to, especially on social media, to call somebody a racist. Another thing is for you to write an article about how racist this person is and detailing their racist behavior only to find out that that's all not true, right? right? That's a different thing but you on social media putting look at these racists or like look at that racist for all intents and purposes that is your opinion and it's almost opi- the equivalent of saying look at these motherfuckers right and opinions opinions are a protected speech so yes. so i would suggest for anybody who's gonna make a statement like that to put in my opinion <laughs> look at these racists but not <laughs> As our senior year English teacher, Ms. Mendez said, do in, not, my in my opinion, in my I personal think, opinion, in my personal opinion, I, I think. think, because how in the hell else are you going to think <laughs> if not in your personal right, opinion? Right. So if you guys don't want to get a, um, <laughs> a uh, letter from a lawyer trying to do something, just put in my opinion, right. dot, 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 look at these racists, look at these, uh, and if oh you, my, I mean, can and you if you imagine, do, and if can, you do, we know a good lawyer right here. Can we'll, you we'll imagine the trouble we would be in? Oh my God. I hear that <laughs> I'm surprised that we don't get more cease and desists. Yeah. I'm surprised, though, that that attorney sent that. I'm not. 
Uh, no, I am because look. I'm not because it's a publicity thing. Yeah, but I think it's a publicity thing. And the I mean, because look, obviously, as uh, attorneys, like in any career, in mm -hmm. any position, you could kind of make an argument for both sides. And you could always see both sides of an argument. Right. And you could always kind of... Buscale uh, la, uh, yeah, argue la both, both ends of something, uh -huh. right? But the problem with that letter that you wrote me, that you read to me, was just a lot of the allegations that he made or a lot of the, you know, the... Um, yeah, the allegations or counts towards him that he made are just flat out wrong. Like, he can't sue your parents, period. Like, right, for all you, you, yeah. you, you I mean, you can't. Like, that is well established law. Right. Um, so, why would you put something like that? Well, again, I, like I said, publicity, because ultimately, here's the thing you know, there are people out there who, and even starting with myself, you know, my, my first thought was, well, shit, especially nowadays, if you call somebody a racist and they get fired and their boss says, oh, it's because they said you were racist, like, it's a problem, problem, right? right? But I was also, I'm also thinking, there are probably people out there who don't have any knowledge of the law. I mean, that's fair. Not everybody's a lawyer. Who will see this and be like, right. yes, that is correct. Hello, you're a lawyer. How many people don't walk through your door and ask you to take cases where you're just like, sir, that is not something I can take to court. And they're like, see, 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 well, see, My see. personal favorite story, I may have, shown, I may have shared <laughs> it here, was this has not been once, this has not been twice, this has not been three times, it's been several times. People that are like, yeah, I fell down and had an injury, and I wanna, I wanna sue. Okay, where did you fall down? My house. Are you the owner of your house? Yes. And you wanna sue yourself? Yes, sir. You can sue yourself. <laughs> well, my neighbor told me I could. Well, but you can't. You can't sue yourself. So, are we going to allege that due to your negligence, you, you created a, you, an unsafe you environment? Are the, you are the proximate <laughs> cause of your damages. So, therefore, you should be awarded for your negligence. Is that what we're going to argue? Yes, but I know somebody who did, and and that is like there's always that person they know, right? And that is like, and that is why I want to leave this profession. <laughs> And do something else. Oh Lord, Lord. So yeah. So but on a similar. So but, but but I also make I also make that another comment. That the kid who did that is does he have like a large following or whatever? I don't. I don't know. I just I, I didn't because for example, that's that's something that's very important because if that kid is it was retweeted thousands of times. Now I don't right, know how it but was. That's retweeted. not his problem. That's not his okay, problem. Okay. If he is not. If he is not like a news source or let's say somebody that has millions of followers or an influencer a, or an influ I, I, I didn't want to use influencer no, 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 we're but, talking but, legality here, but, but for I, lack you of know, order. even more because this is an individual. Now, can you imagine if like a corporation did that? That's different because that's a corporation. They have millions right. of followers. So that I would make the argument that one of the elements of defamation is publication. Mm -hmm. Right. That right. when you are somebody who is a common per, you know, a lay person and you have a small audience, mm -hmm. just how effective is the element of right, publication right. versus if you're somebody who on social media has millions of followers. Right. No, that makes sense. I mean, it's like, I mean, like, can you imagine like if like, 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 like the president was to do something like that? I couldn't imagine. Ever. Nope. Ever. Nope. Hmm. Nope. Anyway, let's move right along before I get an aneurysm. <laughs> so, gonna kind of stay on the topic of racism, even if it's tangentially. Oh. Okay. So, I don't know if you heard about this. Well, I know you know that in the last couple of weeks, um, you know, with all of with all of the Black Lives Matter uh, movements, and you know, all of these, we're really revisiting a lot of things that in the past may have been 
offensive, but kind of like, eh, let it slide or what have you. Um, you know, Gone with the Wind was taken down from mm-hmm. HBO Max. And put, well, have you heard about the latest casualty? What? Those four racist Miami bitches. They were probably from Miami Lakes, the Golden Girls. Oh, about the blackface episode? Yes. Now, do you know the episode they're talking about? Because I know it by heart, and I can, I can, uh, I can synopsize it right aren't now. Aren't they in a mud bath? So here's the thing. Dorothy's son comes home with, his, with the woman he's going to marry. The woman is black, but she's also like a good 20, 30 years older than him. She's older than he is. Dorothy has a problem with her being older, not black. Fine, whatever. That's the whole thing. Eventually, the lady's family shows up because they have a problem with her marrying the white boy, right? So it's, you know, quote unquote, reverse racism, hijinks ensue. When the lady's family shows up, Rose and Blanche come out of the the bedroom area wearing mud masks. And they say something to the, and, you know, Dorothy says, like, oh, these are my roommates. And Dor- and Rose says something like, oh, these are just face masks. We're not black. That scene has caused them to pull that episode from Hulu, to my knowledge. I don't know if it's been pulled from Hallmark and TV Line. Mm-hmm. It's been pulled Probably from... Probably for now. been pulled from Hulu. I don't think that's... Because, of, because sensitivity is the blackface. I don't think that's a blackface scenario. <clears throat> Well, no, that's kind of like um, Alyssa Milano. Our love, Melissa Milano, uh, got a little bit of heat this week as well. Oh, I didn't know this. Be- yeah, because they pulled out. You know, first of all, you have to see who's bringing this about, right? Because Alyssa Milano, and, I mean, and we'll, she, we'll, we'll yeah, tie yeah. it into what you said. Alyssa Milano is Has very, 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 very much the active. activist. Yeah. And she knows her shit. God bless so her. So she, there was this. Um, picture that was put out there saying she had done blackface and what a hypocrite she was. Do you know what the blackface picture was? Uh, some years back, she dressed up as Snooki. Snooki's not black. So they were. She was laughing at the tan. Right. Right. Because like, it was G- at the GTL. tan. Right at the tan. Right. Um, <clears throat> and she made very clear to make that distinction. And she found who leaked it, and it was like a right wing, of course, media Agin, Kong, Right. Right. Which. We're doing that to provoke that and, you know... Look, look, look. Right. Um, So, you know, with the issue with the Golden Girls... I mean, look, we're in a really sensitive time right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's probably like a really... That's an extreme. That's an extreme, probably. (laughs) Probably. um, But we're in a really sensitive time right now. So... I don't mind if they pull it, like right now, if they pull it, because I don't think it's so much, you know, I, because we always say censorship, you know, censorship, censorship, mm-hmm. people shouldn't be censored. I don't see it, at least for right now, as a form of censorship. I see it more as a form of discretion. Like, you know, maybe right now is not the best time to show this, you know? Fair enough. Right now. Fair, fair enough. But I, 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 I just, I think that it's, and I, you and I have always said this. In life, it's about context. Mm-hmm. And it's not like Blanche and Rose came out, you know, kind of going like, yes, Massa, you know, like right. the, it was not a, a intentional that situation. I feel like on Facebook, a friend of mine posted, you know, a thing like, I'd like to know how people feel about this, you know, because I'm not black. I don't know. And how, and of course, everybody who responded was white because internet. Right. But one of the people, one of the responses was like, well, you know, maybe they should take it down and put it with like, 
um, you know, uh, like a, a contextual warning, like they do a gun with the wind and this other person responding. He's like, what are they going to say? Two old women decide to have a beauty regimen and get confused for black people? <laughs> I mean, like, what's yeah, the, you know, like, like, said, like, there's I, no... I, right, that, you know, this is, like, stuff like that is when we cross you know i don't want to say cross the line but you step into territory of like okay you kind of start to lose the narrative how what is really in this case blackface and 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 disrespectful and wrong and what is a mix up up, right. right that one is probably the latter i don't mind if they pull it at least for now just because of the time that we're in Mm-hmm. Um, that's like I actually listen. Betty White I, is many things. I, I, became, I became annoyed at this for another reason. Well, for, I, yes, the context is important, but the meme was wrong. There's a meme going around of the Golden Girls uh, with a Confederate flag. Have you seen it? Um, well, it's a whole video. So of the scene with her so, with Rue and Don Cheadle. Yes. So the meme that has been going around around says. Oh, this whole issue with the Confederate flag is nothing new. Look at the Golden Girls in 1988, 30 years ago, having an argument about the Confederate flag. Oh, yeah, but it was a Golden and Palace. And I'm like, I'm like, I wanted to respond, but, you know, again, the time and place. Right, And I'm right. like, this is not the Golden Girls. This is the Golden Palace. Palace? Like and this was in 1993. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, for the meme. And yes, you know, because in the... Yeah. In the, in the which is actually... The scene, it's really good. the scene is actually really good. You know, Blanche is kind of being trying to be Blanche. She's, funny, she's being her, you know, she's like, oh, but this southern is a, self. This right. is a, the the flag it's of my, my southern my tradition, my culture, you know, heritage and whatever. And Don Cheeto was like, I forget his character's name. He's like, yeah, but that's what you see when you see that flag. But when I see that flag, I think of oppression and slavery and how my family right. was tortured and blah blah blah. So they made a learning moment of it. It's just whoever created that meme, go back. <laughs> and- <laughs> Especially with like the Golden Girls have such a loyal yeah, very fan passionate. base yeah, yeah, yeah. that it's like no 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 Listen, that was not the Golden I, Girls that was a Golden Palace. I just need you to change the date. Two different shows. I just need you to change the date. That's it. Two different That's shows. It. Two different shows. Two different times. You know, 1993 versus 1988. But but yeah, look, I think that at this time, um, you know, it is a very sensitive time and it's a very delicate time and. I don't mind if certain things right now are either changed or I don't want to say censored because I don't think that's censorship or pulled back or, you know, because we all know about time and place, you know, and, and, and right now there's certain things that maybe just for, for the moment are very insensitive. So while I agree that, yeah, you know, them in the mud, that, it's not. It, it, you know, that's not blackface. And maybe it didn't even pass by their minds that it was blackface. You know, we're in a very sensitive time right now. And maybe it's not the best time to show that right now. So. I guess. I guess. Fine. <laughs> oh, my God. We have to give the listeners an update on your mold situation. Yes, my house is being reconstructed. It's no, it's no longer looking like the house from ET. Well, no, now it's worse. But, <laughs> but, but soon it'll be livable, I guess. Inhabitable, I guess. But you know, that's why we're in our other studios. Exactly, because you know we have more than one studio. We have several studios so. all across this great city of ours. <laughs> I know from coast to coast. Oh, okay. oh yeah, I honestly didn't recognize the wall. 
when you yes. showed it to me. The built-in is gone. The built-in that was there for since you guys moved in. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, anyway, so yeah, and Tristan is loving it because he is sleeping at his grandparents. Oh, house. él está haciendo lo que so, le da la gana. So Fourth of July. Yes. We might kind of mentioned this last week. There's like a total clusterfuck this year. Really? We haven't noticed. Well, yes. <laughs> With like time among all among everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. About like time. Because it's like, you know, again, in your mind, it's like, okay, Mother's Day is like in May. We celebrate Mother's Day. Then Father's Day is like in June. And like when the kids are out of school, that's like when right, summer, summer starts. Right. You know. But they've been uh, out of school since March. March. <laughs> and and you know, when summer starts, it's like okay. And then you couldn't really get together for Mother's Day. Right. You but 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 you know, there's certain events that happen every year that kind of right. in your mind map the, the map the time or the season. But now since you know everything's gone to shit, yeah. it's like, oh, it's it's summer. And it's the 4th of July? Yeah. Like, it's always hot here, so when the hell do we know when it's summer? Yeah, well, but we, now only, it's, we only know it because the kids are out of school. Right, but now it's like melting hot. It's always hot here, but now it's like melting hot. Now it's like you get in your car and you're like, <laughs> like, oh yesterday, shit, it's hot. So Yesterday it was like 99. It said feels like 99 degrees. I'm like, just say it feels like 100. So um, 4th of July is canceled this year. But our 4th Wait, of July... so when you say canceled... Well, no, it's like officially canceled. The city of Miami canceled 4th of July. Really? Can there's they do no, that? There's no fireworks. Well, okay. well, they can cancel the nation's you know, okay. birthday. Listen, nowadays, who's to say? Um, but no, there's no fireworks. There's oh, okay, no official okay. like city celebrations. Um, Fourth of July is canceled. The beach is going to be closed. So. so they're not doing fireworks at all anywhere. No, but I'm celebrating the Fourth of July with Burger Beast. So am I. With this burger burger box. So am I. So I'm ready to enjoy those. So am I. Actually, you know what? I should be getting it today. High quality burgers. <laughs> I have to so. text him about that because I leave tomorrow. So what do we think about celebrating America this year? Uh, I don't know how to answer that anymore. 244. Wow. She looks like a very spry 150. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how in Capasso you say they start talking about America's Bicentennial. I don't know. God, we're old. Um, It's weird. It's a weird time to be celebrating the birth of our nation, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I still plan to celebrate it because, I mean, it's... Well, first of all, I'm going away and I'm going to be up by a pool drinking. And mm-hmm. so that's fun. You know, regardless of how you feel, that it is the birth of... Our nation with all of its inherent problems and and everything. Okay, let, let, me, let me actually let me let me. But fo- it's a recognition of the start. Let me follow this with Fourth of July this year, because Fourth of July is generally a time that people feel very patriotic, patriotic yeah, delusionally patri- patriotic, but patriotic not nonetheless. nonetheless. With what's been going on this year, especially with you know all the protests and. You know, everything with the police brutality and Black Lives Matter and all that. Right. Does it make you more or less proud to be an American? Whether, you know, whatever that may mean. You know, maybe pride is not the right word. Um, but does it make you more or less have faith in our nation, in our country? Like, how do you feel about celebrating... America and what America is in such a turbulent year. So I'm going to use the word, I'm going to use the word proud and pride for lack of a better word. 
it does make me feel proud to ultimately be an American because when I do see people taking a stand Mm -hmm. for things that they perceive to be an injustice that needs to change, that needs to be revisited, that needs to be reimagined, Mm -hmm. regardless of how I may feel about it, how you may feel about it, the fact that there are people who are still upholding that spirit of what this country was founded on Mm -hmm. has demonstrated to me that it's it it does still exist within us mm-hmm. you know we are still a country that and some are protesting for the wrong things you know according to to you and i and and so on and so forth and other people are protesting for the right things but that is the spirit of this country mm-hmm. you know this 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 country this nation is for all intents and purposes even to this day if you start looking across the world the rebellious teenager okay and i don't think we've lost that spark we may have lost our way every now and again, but I think that there's still that underlying spirit there. Okay, fair enough. So I believe that, in my opinion, <laughs> so don't sue me. In your personal opinion, you think. In my personal opinion, I think. <laughs> Ever since she said that, I know, I've never I know, forgotten. I know. Um, Miss Maria Mendez. Dr. Maria Mendez. Dr. Maria Mendez. So this day, after having gone to college and law school, still one of my favorite teachers. Oh, one of the best teachers we ever had. Best. Amazing. Um, <clears throat> that's because public schools are awesome. Damn right. And um, I, I believe in the promise of America and the promise mm-hmm. of the United States. And, you know, Sometimes I get really frustrated and sometimes I get, you know, I, I, I get very upset of how unfair things are for a lot of people and how, you know, especially coming from a legal background, how justice is so unfair sometimes and justice mm-hmm. is supposed to be at least fair and how, you know, we say that the United States is the land of opportunity but we fail to realize that, yes, there's a lot of opportunity for everybody, but not everybody starts at the same line. True. You know, the starting line is very different True. for different people. But I believe in the promise of what this country can be and hopefully one day will be. And I think that, you know, especially from my perspective that I'm a big constitution person and uh, I love American history. You know, when you start reading the Constitution, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish these and inalienable rights, you know, and, and it goes on to that. And you realize that those words were so kind of ahead of their time. Mm-hmm. And the fact that even the Constitution, I see the Constitution as a, a document that was never finished. It's a it's a working document. So we have amendments, and and, and that's the beauty of the, our constitution, mm-hmm. that it can change and it can evolve, and it could wrong rights. You know, right wrongs, right wrongs. <laughs> Excuse me. We it do not want to wrong rights. <laughs> you don't want to wrong a right. No, it could, it that's could, what got oh us here. Oh my god, I was on such an inspirational. You like, were, and I, and I almost like I almost hesitated to correct you, but I was like, that's a really big one that needs yeah, to be yeah. corrected. You can right a wrong. You know, you can fix it and still uphold 
the the values and the main message and the main um, rights of the constitu constitution mm -hmm. granted. Um, and I think that when you start seeing those things and you see that despite all the flaws that we have, despite, you know, and we've talked about that here in our country, uh, in our podcast, despite, you know, the fatal, fatal uh, flaws that our country was born with, which was slavery and, you know, uh, the de decimation of, um, you know, Native mm -hmm. Americans, that we've tried to evolve and we've tried to make things right and it's still a work in process yeah, it's not gonna be easy nothing nothing worth having is ever easy but you know fucking racist won't die off <laughs> like I, I know why are they so fertile oh like, i'm seriously, telling you why are racists so fertile I, I don't say this playing around i know it sounds funny but it's really not racist being a racist must be so exhausting I mean, can you just think of how exhausting it is? You know, them, uh, you know, Latin people, them black people, them gays, them, Asians. you know, them, them Asians. Them, them. It's like, oh my God, you hate everybody around you. It's like, oh, it must be so exhausting. Like, oh, That's you know, true. it's like, you imagine being a racist and just switching the channel and be like, oh, look at Will and Grace. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Then switching the channel, like, oh, look at Blackish. Oh, <laughs> like, it's like, oh my God, it must be exhausting. It's like, give yourself, you know what? Give yourself, relax. It's like, relax. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, what the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. <laughs> oh, so it keeps switching the channel. Oh, fresh off the boat. Oh. They can't even watch CMT anymore. <laughs> no! <laughs> Because CMT now has, you know, mom and golden girls. And it's like, no, seriously, it must be exhausting to be a racist. Like, oh, oh. That's great. Are you a tired racist? <laughs> I don't know what kind of pill can help with that, but I guarantee. For tired, for tired racists, we have a resort. Dixie Landings Resort. Oh. Here you will join other tired racisms. And talk it's like about, a Betty Ford clinic for yes, racists? Yes. And talk about the old glory days of the Confederacy. <laughs> oh. Which you never experienced. <laughs> but are still cheering for the losing side. Right. Oh, my God. Lord. It's like, oh. So. <laughs> That's great. Are you a tired racist? You're a tired racist. <laughs> I people just liven up, or 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 or. Life's too short. Or as I as I say, if you're racist, keep your racist thoughts to yourself. Like, yeah, nobody care, or just you know, or just stick to Twitter. I know. <laughs> I'd rather they do it in Twitter than standing out on a lawn somewhere. 
You mean protecting their house from a protest? For, right, protecting their house from eminent danger that's not going to happen? That's not eminent? Yeah. Apparently people don't know what em- eminent danger is. But that's whatever. too many syllables. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people probably just think it's like that that rapper's going to show up at your so, house. <laughs> so I'm glad we're transitioning to this because we, we can transition to our guests. Yes, absolutely. So, because our guests... Is not only a distinguished journalism, yes. a journalist. Have I been? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, wait, is there vodka? That looked like water. I don't know. Have I been? Have I been drinking? The you, I know, I know, Am you, I having a stroke? I know you got it out of the it? freezer where I keep the I think vodka. Talking but... about racists has like yeah, ruined my yeah, mind. Yeah, definitely like, no. Like, so mal. the racists have like you know <laughs> risen my blood pressure. But as I mentioned to our next guest in his interview, in our interview, um, journalism is one of the most important in the press. It's the fourth One estate. of the most important pillars in our democracy. And whether you like the press, don't like the press. Want to meet the press. Uh, Want to meet the press. <laughs> the press is essential for a democracy because when democracies die, the first thing that goes is the press. Yep. Um, so without further ado... We have from ABC News and local boy done good because he is a Miami done boy. Very good. Done very good. Tom Yamas. All right, people. So, as we mentioned, we have with us today local boy done damn good. All right. He is the, I want to say host, but I think anchor is the correct term, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the anchor of ABC's uh, World News Tonight. Mr. Tom Yamas is here with us today. Thank you for joining us, man. Really, really appreciate you taking time out to, to chat with us Welcome a little bit. Welcome to Pedro, let me tell you. Yeah, no, great, great to be here, guys. I'm a, a fan of the podcast and uh, an honor to be here. So first and foremost, I mean, you're based out of New York, so we know New York yeah. is the epicenter of COVID. How are you doing? How is everything up there? I mean, you know, hopefully you're staying safe. Yeah, you know, it's been strange. It's been, you know, almost four months now since we started on this journey. And it's it's just strange because we, we were really bad in New York for, for a month, two months, and it was uh, a scary time. You know, you saw hospitals pop up in Central Park. You saw these overflow tents being built outside of every hospital, mostly in New York City. And uh, the city, a lot of people got out. The people that could get out got out. Mm-hmm. Some people couldn't. And uh, it was a strange time. And now we're here four months later. And I'm hearing from friends and family in places like Miami about people contracting COVID, about shutdowns, about uh, businesses being forced to lock down again. And it's just upsetting that after all these months, we haven't been able to get a control of the virus. And in New York, just from a personal perspective, I mean, the things that I'm dealing with. So when this started, my family, we had a, a trip planned to Disney World. I have three little kids. And of course, they shut down Disney World. So that was the trauma of telling kids that Disney World is shut down when all this other stuff was happening in the world, yeah. And then so we decided just to go to Miami. We'd take them to Miami because to see, to see my family, we go a lot every year. Of course. And then once we were there, I, I just started seeing the trends, what was happening in Europe and how the state, the, the countries were shutting borders. And I, I had a sense that this was going to happen in the U.S. Not necessarily shutting borders, but there was going to be travel restrictions. And I told my wife, I said, I, I bet you there's going to be travel restrictions here. Mm-hmm. And I had to fly back to New York because the, the story start, started exploding here in New York. And right when I flew, flew back, they shut down Florida to New Yorkers. So my family was in, in Miami, and I was in New York, and I couldn't, I couldn't see them. So I couldn't see them for about a month, and that was really difficult. Um, <laughs> like any I mean, people there, there were people <laughs> Not seeing your family. Yeah, exactly. No, and then, and then so, so, my, so my wife, who's from New Orleans, 
Um, she's not Cuban. She's there in Miami with my Cuban parents, as you can imagine. Um, it was it's it's an experience. Thankfully, like my family all gets along very well. Um, but it was it was an experience for her definitely. That's a whole different podcast. And then um, so so then eventually we we decided like for me to see my family, they had to move to a different state. So right. they went to Louisiana, where my wife's family is, and I was able to kind of come and go and see them there. And now four months later, as I'm talking to you guys, this news has just broke that now New York is saying you can't travel to Louisiana either. It's it's been added to this list of nine states that they don't want people traveling to New York, Connecticut, uh, or New Jersey. And it, it's just, it's sort of mind-boggling because, again, it's just four months later and we're almost in the same place where we started. New York is much better. Yeah. And eventually the family's coming back because they have to start school and stuff like that. But uh, it, it's, a, it's a sad time and it's a time where people have to sort of just listen to the rules. And it is so hard because people are fatigued. Yeah. Businesses need to reopen. They're struggling so much. They've been struggling for months and now they're being told to shut down again. So it's, it's really hard. And I've traveled to a bunch of states. I've been to Arizona, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama. And at first, people weren't following the rules with the masks. Mm-hmm. And now, I'm, little by little, finally, they're, they're following the rules with the masks. But it's getting to a point where is it too little, too late? Um, we're going to have to wait and see. It's funny. I mean, you say you know it's four months. And I know it's been four months. I mean, obviously. But it, some days it feels longer. Some days it feels shorter. Like time, it, it, what is it? Some people say like time is a construct, right? I've never felt that more right. so than now where it's like hearing you no, say four yeah. months out loud. I'm like, Coño, it's been only four months. But if you ask me tomorrow, I would be like, oh my God, it's already been four. I, I, it's yeah. It, it's yeah. bizarre. The only thing I can, the only thing I can compare it to, and you guys know this from, from living in Miami is it's the time after a hurricane, you know, the hurricane yes. hits. And then afterwards there's a week, two weeks, three weeks of just, misery you're living in misery your, your your home has been destroyed your friend's home has been destroyed there's no power uh, there's a lack of supplies uh things are getting a little hectic and in miami there's no air conditioning so it's like you're living in hell um Literally. it's a little bit like that but it's been four months you know yeah. and it's it's for me in new york it's been much different because new york is a city that changes every season it thrives off the people off being open and and the restaurants can only open for for delivery you know, now they're opening up uh, the sidewalk cafes, but I mean, everything is shut down here. That's one of the reasons why the fa- my family stayed away is because everything is shut down, including playgrounds. They just opened up playgrounds after four months. Wow. So, yeah, and the families that I know, I feel so bad because we do know families that, that stayed here and they've been confined to their apartments, some of them for months. No, yeah, what do you do? And it's just, it's sort of a wild way to live. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's you, you figure out, you figure out, you know? No, that's crazy. That's crazy. So... I mean, shifting a little bit, you know, you're you're yeah. you're at ABC, you know, you're anchoring. You are a Miami boy. Actually, you got a birthday coming up. Um, at yeah. the time this airs, it'll it'll be the day after your birthday. So happy, okay. happy early happy birthday belated. or happy belated, depending on when when people are listening to this. Yeah, you are we are all about the same age? So I know. Yeah, you, know, you, you grew up. We all grew up around the same time here in Miami. Right. And, you know, I think you were telling me earlier you graduated in '97. So did we? Yeah, um, we. You know, you you went to Belen. Um, we went to Southwest. But you know, what was it growing up in Miami that that at some point you said? I want to pursue journalism because as you mentioned, you know, your wife's from, from New Orleans because you, you went to university there to Loyola. Right. At what point growing up, you know, in this locura that we call home, right? Um, was yeah. it like, I, I, I want to be a journalist. I want to pursue that. Right. So, so it's a great story um, and a great question. So, you know, growing up in Miami, you, you, you grow around and, and, and it's part of your life. 
the Cuban American experience, right? It, it, it is inescapable, right? This island 90 miles from Florida, it was constantly on our minds. It was at our dinner tables. Yep. It was everywhere in the culture. And so because of that, we were constantly talking about current affairs in my family. So we, we were always talking about Cuba from the time I can remember, um, you know, whether it was fighting Castro, whether it was what was happening with Loalcero, whether it was what was happening in Washington, D.C. with the embargo. There were always conversations around Cuba, protests, cousins coming out, family coming out of Cuba. How do we help them? Things like that. And so it was always a part of my life. Current events were always there. So I was always interested in politics. Um, you mentioned I went to Belen. So at Belen, we had a class in eighth grade uh, called Civics, where you basically you, know, you learned how uh, American government works. And one of the one of the homework assignments we had from a, a teacher named Eugene Zoller was, and it's funny, Eugene Zoller was Anglo. He wasn't Cuban, but he made the best pan con lechon, and, which is a very <laughs> funny thing because you would never suspect that, but he did. And so anyways, he had this assignment where we had to read the Miami Herald, and the way he forced us to read it was you had to highlight all the proper words. And so this, this exercise, by doing that, you, there was no way to do this exercise without reading the article. So in eighth grade, we're, I, you know, I'm reading the Herald columnist. I'm reading the Herald News just as a homework assignment. So that sort of furthers my interest in current events. Um, from there, I take a writing class, again, at Belen in like ninth grade. And um, I, I was like, wow, I really like to write. And I wonder if there's, any, there's a future here. And so we would sometimes have alumni come in and uh, a former guest of, but let me tell you, Louis Aguirre, who was an alumni. Oh. <laughs> actually, yeah, he came in. And it was really funny. He said, I'll never forget this. He said, if you like to write, you should look at journalism. And he said, you know, I'd love to write. And he told us his whole story. And at the time, he was a local reporter in Miami. This is um, this is ninth grade. So I don't know. I guess this is like 93 or 94. 94 yeah, yeah, right there. Uh, and so Louis' career is just beginning to take off. And it's funny because I've run into Louis before uh, on, on stories. And I always give him a big hug. And he hates for me to tell him that story because he's like, you're making me feel so old. I go, Louis, I go, you, you look you look like you're my same age, so you have nothing to worry about. I want to um, please. Yeah. yeah, he looks the same. The guy hasn't aged a bit, uh, and he's also a fantastic guy, a great guy and a great, a great journalist. Yeah. So anyways, so uh, at 15, man, I start, I get the bug, and I, I start asking questions like, you know, what do I need to do? And, you know, back then the rules for internships were much different. It was sort of like the wild, wild west. If you wanted to work for free, you could work anywhere. Yeah. And Telemundo... <laughs> Canal 51 was like, yeah, sure, high school kid, ninth grade, we'll take them on. So I, I knew somebody who worked there. I went in for an interview. It was so funny. I wore like a little blazer and a tie. And I, wa I walk into this, this newsroom in Hialeah, and, you know, it's very, very sort of um, pure Cuban, pure Hispanic, very pure Miami of that moment. You know, it was, uh, it was really cool. And there were incredible journalists that were working there as reporters and anchors and producers. And so, you know, my first day, I, I learned how the assignment desk worked. And then after that, they would send me out. When you, sometimes photographers go out and, you know, a story won't warrant importance that you need to put a reporter there. Mm -hmm. So you send, you send the crew out and they'll shoot VO, uh, we call, you know, B-roll, called VO. Sometimes they'll get interviews, we call those SOTs, sound on tape. And so they would send me out to smaller stories to go and do interviews and to shoot some of these, these VO events. And little by little, I learned how the industry worked. My Spanish got really, really good because I was literally speaking only Spanish um, all day. And, um, you know, I saw my first dead body that oh, summer man. at 15. I oh. covered my first, like, Cuban-American protest. Like, I saw 
I, I saw a lot of things that were happening in Miami at that time. And then at times we'd go out with reporters, so you would learn with them, from them as well. So I did that a couple summers in a, in a row. I interned at Channel 10. I did a Buy Kids for Kids one summer, which was really fun. And then I went to school. I studied journalism. And then little by little, I got my first job in New York. I worked a brutal overnight shift for $14 an hour. Um, and then this was right, right before 9-11. And then 9-11 happened. And since I had so much experience from working since I was 15 years old, I was able to do a lot of different assignments. This is I, I got hired at MSNBC. Um, and so I was able to sort of move up little by little. And then eventually I became uh, a producer and then a field producer and then a correspondent little by little. How would you say, though, um, in terms of your actual job as a journalist, how would yeah. you say the transition was from, you know, being here in Miami, which was your bubble and what you knew with, right. as you said, predominantly a Cuban-American culture, and you were covering a lot of these stories, right. to transitioning to New York, where now, you know, it's a completely different field, and, and the stories that you once were covering are not the stories you're going to be covering in New York. Right. No, it's a good question. You know, I, I will tell you this. Miami is, is a phenomenal news city, as you guys know. I mean, so many big stories come out of Miami, whether it be local politics, national politics with presidential elections, hurricanes, as we mentioned, uh, the issues with Cuba. Miami right now is the capital of Latin America. So you have a lot of different cultures colliding at the same time. So Miami has always been a news haven in America. It's not one of the biggest markets, which a lot of people in Miami don't even know this. Miami, I think, is like the 14th or 15th biggest market. It's around there. Yeah, it's, it's not even not top 10. But the amount of news that you get out of Miami and the exposure you get, the range, it, it, it really, in my opinion, and I know the business pretty well, is sort of unmatched. You can go to other big cities like New York. I did local news in New York City. But the range of stories you get in Miami is unlike anything else. You also have a very competitive environment, right? So you had Channel 7 when we were growing up with Rick Sanchez leading the yeah, way. Yep. And then you had, you, know, you had Channel 6 where I worked, WTVJ. In like 2005, Eyewitness News and CBS4, plus you had Telemundo and Univision, very competitive stations, all competing on the same stories of the day, which, which delivered very good and quality journalism, in my opinion, especially in the, in the 80s, the 90s, the early aughts. Miami really developed the style of local news going forward. I mean, if you look at the model of Channel 7, what they did with Crime Check and Newsplex as we were growing up, I mean, that served as a model. Yeah. good or bad for a lot of other TV stations and TV news coverage uh, in the future. So coming from Miami was actually, I think, a gift. Now, when I got to, to, to New York, it was interesting. It was right after Elian. So the national news had been covering Elian for, I, I think, a year. And so when I got to, to, to New York, there were a lot of questions about that, about Elian, the Cuban-American community. Um, I think there, was, there were questions. I think there were questions, um, and not biased questions, but I think there were questions – because, you know, the Miami, I think a lot of Miami was sort of, they saw the Elian Gonzalez story one way because it's, it's the way we lived, right? right? So we saw it from from our perspective, from our lens, which was a family leaving an oppressive regime. A lot of the other countries saw, wait, it's a kid who wants to get reunited with his dad. And it, it, it's just not that black and white, right? It was very nuanced. There was a lot going on to that story. So there were a lot of conversations about that. Um, but once you cover local news anywhere, whether it be... Uh, Iowa City, Iowa, or Miami, Florida, once you learn the basics of journalism, and most people start out covering crime just like I did, you cover crime, you cover politics, you cover natural disasters, you sort of learn along the way how to cover a tornado, how to cover a hurricane, and little by little, it becomes the same. You know, they say, you know, the fires are the same 
in Miami as they are in New York. They're just bigger in New York, which is true. Um, the challenge to covering news, like local news in New York City, is that it's so massive, right? right. You're dealing with 23 million people. So, so, so you could start your afternoon in Connecticut, and then you're in the Bronx, and then you're in New Jersey, and then you're on Long Island. So it's, it's a lot bigger than sort of the tri-county area in South Florida. Um, but, but being from Miami, covering news in Miami, working in Miami, in my opinion, has always, always been sort of a blessing and an extra tool I've had. And you look at a lot of great journalists, especially in my business, but you also look at print. And a lot of really great people have come through the Miami Herald, have come through Miami local TV stations. So um, I, I've always thought it's, it's, a great, it's a great place to come from. It's also still a great place to work. Yeah. 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 And, and- how, would you, how would you say, because I've always thought that our age group, you know, late 30s, early 40s, we're in an interesting age group because we're still, we were kids, you know, in the analog era i want to call right. it but yeah. we developed into teenagers in the digital era so we we kind right. of belong to both worlds what is in it, a way like zillennials uh, they call us yeah. yeah um so we kind of straddle both worlds yeah so how would you say for somebody like you you know i mean you're still a young guy but you've been doing this for, right. for a while now how would you say your job as a journalist or journalism in as a whole what has changed with the rise of technology and Twitter and all that? And what are yeah. some of the challenges that you face now as a journalist? So before you, you, know, every, so before you yeah. answer that, Tom, I actually want to piggyback a little bit a little bit on, on that question because I know that you are also part of a team with ABC News, uh, the, the streaming, the, the news right. streaming Right, yeah, as we well, just launched. Which yeah. I know I read somewhere that like their goal is, I think right now it's like two hours live news a day, but their goal is to like 18 right. hours a day live. So right. It, do you feel like there's, you know, a, a kind of piggybacking, so feel free to integrate it, however, you know, it's, we're, we're living in this constant news cycle world, you know, d- does that affect, yeah. I think, also, you know, where, where we're yeah. at? Yeah, you know, every generation sort of faces this change in media in, in our industry, and so if you talk to somebody like one of my mentors, Jose Diaz-Balart, who's an amazing phenomenal, person, if you talk to him, yeah, phenomenal guy. And if you talk to him about when he started, I mean, they would go and shoot a story. If they had to shoot a story in Nicaragua or Haiti, there was no way to get that story back. This is before satellites. People would drop off tapes at times. Maybe Jose is like a little bit younger than that, but there was a time where you would shoot a story, and the photographers would tell me this when I worked at TVJ, you'd shoot a story, you'd edit it, and then you put it on a helicopter or an airplane to fly it back to Miami so it would run the next day. Jesus. Which you think you and that's in our lifetime. <laughs> yeah, that you think that that's in our lifetime. And also you gotta think about those journalists. It's like when you'll get fussy. They did that they're they're done. Their day is done. They've made that story and it's like it's time to I drink. Mean, that's it. Um yeah now you know now because of first with satellites and then now with the internet and then social media, our job never stops. And I always tell young journalists when I when I when I mention them ABW, you always have to be working. You're, you're, you always have to be working, always be working. And it's good and it's bad. You, you will get news as fast as possible right now. There's, no, there's been no other era where you could receive news as fast as you can receive it right now. The problem comes is that when news comes out that fast, you have to be careful, right? right? And now everybody has a platform. So you have the rise of fake news. Um, so you're battling that as well. Uh, you have the social media platforms that more and more people get their news from those platforms. So you mentioned about our generation, how we sort of straddle sort of uh, millennials and then Generation X. Um, and, I, and I agree with you. And it's weird because I think our generation is sort of maybe the last generation that can, that can 
that can look at an old 60 Minutes piece and be like, wow, man, that is that is just incredible. Like, look look at what they did here. Look at the interviews. Um, look how they put the story together. And then, you know, you could look at, at somebody's hot take on Twitter, and it's completely <laughs> different, and it's going to be looked at by millions of people. Um, and it's a weird time, man, because if you still respect sort of like that old-school era in our industry of news and the way to communicate and this new era, which is completely different, it, it sort of breaks all the rules, but it's more immediate. Um, it's quicker. It's shorter. It's punchier. Um it, look, it's great. It can be amazing at times. And it also, I think it can be a challenge at times too. Um, to go off with what you said, we, we, yeah. we've, had, we've had a couple of, as you know, journalists um, right. on the show. Uh, Rick Sanchez, we, um, I'm sorry, um, Luis Bo- uh, Boris uh, Sanchez from CNN. Yeah. And I always like to ask them this question. Yeah. In this time now, that fake news is, you know, right. a catch, you know, it's a saying now. Right. How does an organization like, in your case, ABC News, was it, which yeah. is a legit, you know, yeah. um, respectable, very reputable, very respectable very organization, yeah. and yourself as a journalist, how do you just fight this? Because yeah. I, sometimes I see it, and I'm like, I would be so frustrated if I was a journalist and I was out there doing my job, reporting yeah. the news, which is my job, what I'm supposed to yeah. do, and you have all these people attacking you now you know, with fake news, how do you, how do you fight that? Right. So you got to remember like fake news has now become a brand for a lot of reasons, you know, and it's become sort of, it's now in our lexicon a lot more, but you have to remember people have, the media has always come under assault, even growing up. I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was a campaign against the Miami Herald. Are there these yellow bumper stickers? You don't get out of Miami Herald, right? And I can remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, and I remember that people had those bumper stickers, you know? I don't believe the Miami Herald. Uh, so so sort of this this idea of fake news has always existed. I mean, Nixon railed against the media, too. I mean, this has always existed. I think it's bigger now. It's amplified more because of social media and because it's, it's easier to spread fake news. I mean, it's really easy to spread fake news now. And so... Um, I think at ABC, our, our mantra is straightforward news, right? That, that, that's our model. We believe in objective journalism. We're going to tell you the story. We're, we're just going to tell you the facts. We're going to give you the context, and that's it. We're, we're not into opinion. Uh, we're not into taking sides. Right. And, and, and me as a journalist, that's what drives me. That's my North Star, right? I still believe that in this country we need journalism that is objective. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's on the cover of the New York Times, but I, I, I do believe that you got to report the news without fear or favor. I, I really do think that that should be everyone's North Star. And so that being said, um, fake news is out there. You can't stop it. The genie's out of the bottle. Friends and family all the time come to me and they say, but did you hear this? And I'm like, that's not true. And I have to send them like a link of what's actually true. Right. And it's just, to me, what the, the only thing that, that, that sort of... That's like another full-time job so, for you. <laughs> yeah, no, the, yeah, right. The only thing that surprises me a little bit is that Consumers are very savvy and, and news viewers are very, very savvy. But when, when news comes out, sometimes that's not true, but it, but it leans towards your politics or towards what you believe. I think you're more apt to believe it. So people will send me something. It's usually like an opinion that they believe and they'll be like, but did you see this? And I'll say, yeah, but that's not true. And then I have to send them like a, to a couple different links to show them that it's not true. And then they, oh, okay, thanks. Thanks for explaining it, which is totally fine. But I, I just think that there's so much of it out there and people sometimes just let themselves, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to believe this or I want to believe this. You're also um, overwhelmed, I think, 
to the point. Oh, where there's so like, much news. I mean, if, I, I, yes, you should fact check that fact check everything but if you're gonna fact check every single thing at some point people just kind of throw their hands up in the air i think and go you know what so be it you know yeah out of, out of yeah. frustration yeah no no and, and look and, and and journalists also aren't perfect people i mean journalists do make mistakes um and the best thing to do is correct those mistakes and, and and go on the record and say you know this this is how we're correcting them i mean journalists are humans everyone makes mistakes right. um but we try what people need to understand i think most people do we, we, we try as hard as we can to get to the truth and to get to the facts. Uh, and that's what we've been doing at ABC News. Yeah. So one of the things on ABC News that um, you, you I mean, I, I, can't, I, I can't think of another uh, journalist who had yeah. as much access to the First Lady as you did uh, right. when you did your series, um, your interview with Melania Trump. And I have yeah. to say, I was, I, I'm a big, I'm a huge fan of The View. And I remember when you were on The View talking yeah. about the, the, um, the interview coming up, I was, I was a little yeah. jealous because I'm a huge fan of The View. Like, you don't yeah. understand. Like, you know, in right, our right, show, right now, he's literally just like fanboying because he's now one degree yeah. away I'm, from I'm, The View. No, because like, that's, honestly, <laughs> I, lo I love the show, but then also the show does even inspire our podcast because I'll say something like, you know, on The View, they were talking about this and whatever. Um, well, look, we'll get you some tickets, man. Okay, I'm gonna get you some tickets. <laughs> <laughs> you just became yeah. his new best friend. Just saying. So, <laughs> I, I personally, I've always been fascinated and intrigued by Melania Trump. Yeah. Um, there's just so much there, so much there. So, as somebody who you've had access to her, and if I yeah. recall your interview with her, she was pretty. Um, like open to all questions. Yeah, yeah. There were no questions off the table. What was your impression of her? Because I think yeah. she's fascinating. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so the first lady. I, I think you're right. I think she is a fascinating person. I think she's somebody who a lot of people misunderstand. You know, I, I think there's like this public perception of, of Melania Trump because she sort of is this woman who was a model who was married to Donald Trump, uh, who is an immigrant. Um, Whose, whose first language is not English. Um, so there are a lot of these, these different sides to Melania Trump. I think people who don't like the president, for the most part, don't like Melania Trump. A lot of people, they don't like her. They, they think, how can this woman be married to a man like, like President Trump? Where I found people who love President Trump love Melania Trump. You know, And I actually watched the interview with people on, on both sides uh, of the aisle to kind of gauge what they thought of the interview at times. And it was interesting to kind of, kind of see their perspective. If you don't like her, you hated her answers. If you love her, you loved her <laughs> answers. And it was kind of like, it was kind of this thing where we were, we were just trying to get to the truth of, of the matter, which I think we did, but um, it was interesting to kind of see those perspectives. Um, she, she reads and absorbs everything that she can, that is written or published about her. She's definitely somebody who is aware of what's going on. She's not in the dark. So all the headlines about her husband, about Stormy Daniels, about Michael Cohen, and she is aware of all that, right? And we got to that in the interview, uh, as you could see. Um, you know, Donald Trump, I covered him for, for nearly two years in the campaign trail, um, is a very complicated person, and she's been married to Donald Trump. I think she's, she's been married to Donald Trump the longest at this point. Um, she has a son with Donald Trump, um, but she is also with President Trump, but she's also sort of stayed out of the limelight as a first lady. You know, mm -hmm. she did her Be Best initiative. She did the interview with us, the high profile primetime interview with us. But since then, you know, we haven't seen as much of 
of the first lady as maybe we thought we were gonna. You know, in the in the first couple of years of the presidency, we saw a lot of her. And it's interesting because we have a campaign coming up, right? We are in a campaign. And she was out of the campaign trail a little bit four years ago, every now and then. But but especially during this time of COVID, she's done a couple of sort of public service announcements. But for the most part, Melania watchers will say that she's sort of She's, she's kept a much a much lower profile since the interview. I don't think it's because of the interview. I think she got to a point where, um, you know, like she told me, she says she's the most bullied person on the planet. And a lot of people would be surprised because they see her husband as the, as the biggest bully on the planet. But if you look at Twitter and if you look at anything she ever tweets, and if you look at the comments right after she puts me out on Twitter, I mean, they are vicious. They are vicious. And if you're somebody who reads that day in, day out, and – I don't know what that can do to your psyche. I mean, she definitely has uh, a thick skin. I mean, you have to be at that level. But I don't know what that would do if you're somebody that consumes all the media that she does day in, day out, what that does to you. Um, so, look, I think she's a mystery, man. And I, and I think I think we got a taste of what she is like in that interview. But I think there's there's a lot more to her. And I, and I, and I, I wonder if we will ever get the full story um, about her. And we actually may. We actually met. Yeah. That's why I, I find her so fascinating because there's yeah. more than meets the eye there. In your interview, there were some layers peeled back, especially yeah. when you said that other well, things she objected about her husband. But you know what? I actually wanted to congratulate you on, on that interview in specific because, I mean, I'm no fan of the Trumps, but I yeah. thought that you did it in a very dignified way. And you asked her some really tough questions. But, uh, I mean, you could have gone in there and just been totally like, controversial and whatever you took a very you took a very dignified way at at the same time asked her the questions that all of us wanted you know answered so i wanted to congratulate you for that yeah thank you i appreciate that that, i thought that was objective journalism there was a lot of there was a lot of um uh, there's a a big team that helped us out on that interview we had a lot of people we talked about the questions for a long time we talked about the questions probably every day from the moment we knew we had the interview and I wanted to hear from a lot of different people. And one of the, one of the, somebody who gave me the best advice I've ever gotten was uh, Diane Sawyer. And we're lucky enough to have her at ABC news. She's a legend and probably the best interviewer I think on the planet. Yeah. Um, and Diane, I went to her because Diane said a lot of these very difficult interviews because there was going to be difficult questions. I mean, she said no questions off the table and, and some of these questions, they're not easy to ask. They're just not easy to ask anybody, even your best friend. So to ask the first lady, it was, it was a completely different ball game. And so Diane was uh, such a great person. She's so generous with her time and with her knowledge. And, we, and I worked with her a lot on, on sort of how to craft certain questions. And she's so giving that, you know, it was a huge help to me. And, and I think it definitely made the interview better. No, I will. I mean, Diane Sawyer. Come on, that's all you had to say. Yeah. yeah. You had access the to legendary, Diane Sawyer. Yeah. The mean, legendary yeah. Diane Sawyer. <laughs> yeah. All right, Tom. Um, you know, as we as we wrap up our, our interview, I just want to again. No, no, hey, 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 I'm just, I'm just getting started. <laughs> oh, listen, we could sit here and talk to you for like eight hours without. What happens when three Cubans get together and, and have an interview? Yeah. It's like eight hours is not enough. Right. It's. Um, yeah. But, you yeah. know, just there, wanna, there, go ahead. Go ahead, DJ. No, there's actually something else I want to yeah. pick his brain at. All right. Yeah. Where where do you think where do you think we are? Um, because you know you're a journalist. You've been yeah. you've been around. You've seen yeah. some things. Um, yeah. And as I said, you know you're you're a young guy like us. Yeah. But yeah. You know, you've been doing this for a while. Um, where do you see us as a country, as a society, yeah. where we are now? Because you know, obviously, some people you know 
think we are at the worst of the worst right now. I mean, obviously, yeah. if you look at the history of the United States, we've been in very you know tumultuous times before. Um, yeah. Where would you say we are right now as a country and, and media's role in that? Yeah, look, I mean, no doubt it is, it is a very difficult time. I think it's a difficult time for everyone. I think um, on a macro level, it, it, look, it's, it's, tough for, it's tough for the country. It's tough for individual states. You, at the same time, you're really dealing with three things, right? You're dealing with, with COVID-19 right now, the pandemic. You're dealing with uh, issues of race. And, and you're dealing with an upcoming election, right? And so it's difficult for the country, but I also think it's difficult around the dinner table, you know? And I think looking at Miami and how much Miami has changed over the last 10, 20, 30 years, um, you, you see it there in Miami. You, you're, all the same problems we see across the country, you're seeing exactly in Miami too. You've had the protest in Miami. Right. You're having a problem right now with the pandemic. And, and you have an upcoming election. And, and you just had this thing just north of you guys in the, in the villages, this issue with this video where, um, mm-hmm. you know, a Trump supporter was yelling out white power and the president retweeted it and then deleted it. Uh, so, look, I think we're, we're living at a complicated time and I think we'll get through it. And I think the next several months are, are going to be months we will never forget, especially going into this election, because, you know, I, I don't even know how I, I just had to apply for the, the credential for the, the Republican National Convention and the Democratic National Convention with the Secret Service. And, and I was wondering, I mean, how are these conventions even going to really look like? You know, there are these events that sort of rally their parties together. And, and for some people, there are places where they can, the last venue they watch to see who they're going to pick to vote for. Um, what's that going to look like? I think, I think if you really care about this time right now, Miami, go back to 1968 in the country. Go back to 1968. That was a, a, a year in our country, unlike, unlike anything in, in the last, you know, maybe 50 years. And, and, and look at that time in 1968, because um, that was a time that this country was facing assassinations, uh, protests with race. I mean, I mean, all types of uncertainty. I also think, you know, it's a tough time now. And for both of you guys, you guys would, would, would acknowledge this. You know, our generation, I, I always say, you know, people have had a very tough time with coronavirus and, and everything else that's happening right now. It is. It's a tough time. It's been horrible. Um, but other American generations have had to deal with so much worse. I mean, we, yeah. we, we have dealt with wars and we dealt with 9-11, but we did not have to deal with a draft. You know, um, right. our parents dealt with the Vietnam draft. Our grandparents dealt with World War II uh, here, here in America. Our families dealt with leaving a country, leaving yeah. everything behind, starting from scratch. I mean, I have little kids and I was separated from them for a month and it was like killing me. And then I was thinking like all the Pedro Pan kids, you know, that basically left their parents. Some of them didn't see them again for years. Some of them never saw them again. So, you know, this is a tough time right now. It's horrible. It's not easy for anyone. But I think we will get through this, um, you know, especially uh, us in Miami. We, we have dealt through a lot. And I think we come from, from good stock. And, and we'll get through this and we'll learn from this. And we'll be a better country, I hope, at, at, on the outside of this. Yeah. Well. I mean, I can't think of a better way to end the interview than on Perfect that note. I mean, honestly, yeah. like, you know, you, yeah. you you put it so succinctly, man. Again, thank you so much for, for taking time out. You know, I know we can see you on, on ABC, everywhere on ABC at this point, right? Because you, you've been all over on all the news programs. Um, but thank you again. Yeah, yeah, thank, yeah. You, thank you for doing what you do. doing what because you do. We, the media yeah. and journalism and the press is the foundation of our democracy. Yeah. And we got to keep hammering that into people's minds. Here, yeah. here, man. I, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. And guys, thank you to you. And I, and I, love, I love the idea of this podcast. 
what you guys are doing is great. Miami is, is, is a unique and it is one of the greatest cities in the world. And um, I, I think what you guys are doing, capturing both sort of the nostalgia of Miami, but also what's happening around the world today is is awesome. And uh, I'm going to keep listening. Thanks, Thank you. Appreciate Thank it. You. All right. Thank well, you. Yeah, cuidate. Un abrazo, socio. Bye. Bye-bye. And we're back. Okay. We really could have talked to him for like another like day and a half. Actually, it, it, it's it's funny because, <laughs> yes, we could have gone on speaking with him in terms of the show for a much longer. Yeah. But he is somebody that I would love to sit down. Oh, yeah. For and sure. just have like a long conversation. Like, like let's just have like a coffee. Like yeah. just sit and like, like, what do you do for two hours? Let's just go meet and have a yeah, drink. Yeah, because he, he's just... You know, maybe because he's our exact age and maybe because he, you know, he has a, a similar he really, background some, to us. Same background, I mean. But it's just, you know, it's so interesting to hear his perspective um, and to hear, not only it, it, it's to hear his perspective, but because he's been to so many places and he's interviewed so many people and right. he's been on the front lines. Yeah. He's seen some of, things. He, he has seen some things. Uh, but yet he's still young enough to kind of see things from a more modern perspective right, right. and a more modern lens. Um, I just, I, I loved speaking to him and I, I would love to pick his brain on like other Everything. stuff. There, there was, there was so much more I wanted to ask him, but you know, due to time constraints, yes, you know, yes. but actually you before know, we even started the interview, he the one other thing I will say, he loves our intro. So, oh, yes. so, you know, yes. Michael, good job on the intro. He said, it reminded him of Hot Wheels, Hot Wheels yes. which is exactly what we were going for. So yeah. that made me yeah. happy as hell. Yeah. So anyway, but that was that was I really enjoyed that one. So we're thirsty. Are we? I don't know. You sound like you've been having vodka already. I don't I know. know. I, I, should you drink any more? I don't know. <laughs> A limoncello. Oh, oh, that would be really nice. No, right I don't now. like limoncello. But then why would you say it? Because limoncellos are refreshing, but I don't like them. But it's like, you like lemonade. You love I, Arnold Palmer's. I do. Ay, que rico. Una limonada ahora de la feria. Oh. Actually, you know what? This weekend... Feria limonada is the This best. weekend, they're doing the drive-thru again. And, again. They, have, and they have lemonade. Feria we, we limon last week. limonada is the best. We went last week. I had a corn dog. I, we had an elephant ear. We got limonada. Yes. I remember going down. I saw limonada was a dollar. Listen. I remember when you could fill up a tank of gas with $10 and get change back. Yeah, but... No. You know, inflation. My old Buick Regal. We could fill it up with less than ten dollars. Yeah, and that thing was a tank. Exactly, that thing was a tank. But so. it drove us everywhere. <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't have that many memories in your Buick Regal. No, 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 because we didn't. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about our last. <laughs> okay, we'll revisit this another day. <laughs> so, do you want to go first? Uh, no, let's do. Our, uh, that's how we're gonna do our joint. Yes. So. We're going to be a little cheesy here for a second, and I think we kind of built up to it. Us? Cheesy? Never. Hamas. Um, for our last soda, you know, we were talking about it before the break, and ultimately we're going to give our last soda to the U.S. You know, happy 4th of July, happy birthday. Since we're giving it to the U.S., it's like giving to the Statue of Liberty. Oh, okay. I like her. She yeah. must have a hell of a tricep. Yeah. You know, she's French. <laughs> that the racists have not tried to get rid of the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> because, you know, she's technically an immigrant. Yeah, but she's French. It's the same way as, like, if she was British. That doesn't count for racists. 
I guess. Yeah, but she's technically an immigrant. No, I know. But racist? If she would have been a black French person, then yes. The the racist would have gone wild. They would have been out there on Oh, my God. Robots. Can you imagine that horrible video? <laughs> racist gone wild. Order now and get racist gone wild on spring break. Oh, I do not want to see the average racist woman lift up her shirt. There's a lot of bush beer. <laughs> okay, we just lost that endorsement. <laughs> That was my opinion. That was my opinion, everybody. That was my opinion as an individual. That does not reflect the opinions of Pero Let Me Tell You Productions, LLC. Disclaimer. Bush <laughs> Whoa, dude. Do, do, do I'm laughing think, because you're absolutely fucking right. Do you That's think what... racists drink Corona? God, no. <laughs> or Land Shark? No, but you know what the funny thing is? Even though it sounds Asian, they could drink Yingling because it's the oldest brewery in the U.S. It is? I didn't know this until I saw the commercials. Isn't, what is it, Pabst? Uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that, that's like hipster beer. A hipster beer. Even yeah. though it's been around since like the World's Fair from 1896. Well, yeah, because you know when you're a hipster and you're driving your penny farthing... You know, you get off of that thing and then you have your Paps Blue Ribbon. And that is our opinion also on <laughs> hipsters. <laughs> that although, is our opinion. Although they're not a protected class, so I think we're okay. <laughs> uh, okay, what were we saying? I don't even know anymore. Well, we were <laughs> I think I'm drinking the vodka now. We are thinking of the Statue of Liberty. Okay, because what we were saying is, yes. which we talked upon it a little bit before um, the interview, yeah. is that... We believe in the promise of our country. Correct. We believe in what you can become in our country if, right. you know, all all things being equal. All things being equal, and and that is, and the promise of the country is that all things can be equal. Right, because to quote Paula Abdul, it's the promise of a new day. That's once, why I feel this way. We can't rush, rush enough to get there. <laughs> But you know, <laughs> listen, I'm blowing, listen. I'm blowing kisses in the wind because I'm spellbound over all this wonderful protesting. And I mean, look, and I'm gonna straight up tell you. Well, look, you can straight up tell me. Cold heart. Okay, yes, but I'm gonna tell <laughs> all the racists are cold-hearted snakes. Yes, but you know what else, racists? You know what? Opposites attract. Right. Right. So racist opposites attract. Stop being cold-hearted snakes. Right. Because then, you know, you're going to rush, rush into some type of spell-binding situation that... And only you... Only you will know that that. your love is not real. Exactly. And then, you know what? Otherwise, it's all crazy cool. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. We need to tag Paula Abdul. We need to tag Paula and figure out how that. to get her to, to hear and this. And if you're a Paula Abdul fan and let her know, or you know her, and, like, and you I, just listen. listen to this, you yeah, would love please, it. Please. And if you don't like Paula Abdul, you have no idea what we just did right now. Right. So, and why wouldn't you like Paula Abdul? Are you a racist? <sighs> you know. You know, Paula Abdul dances through her arthritis. Exactly. Paula Paula Abdul is a national treasure. She is a national have treasure. You seen that a meme? Syrian national treasure. Have you treasure. seen that amazing scene? meme that somebody posted that it said the cure to 2020 is to decipher Britney Spears. I posted it. You posted it? I posted it. Somebody, I mean, I reposted it, but I posted it. Yeah. To decipher Britney Spears The key to 2020 is is in Britney's Instagram. We just have to decipher it. Yeah. And they're true. That's true. Do you think so? I, I'm telling you, I, I'm still on the fence about Britney's Instagram. She's trying to tell us something. I don't know. I don't know. Because, like, for example, Stephanie says that she's sure that she had a lobotomy. 
that her dad subjected her to a lobotomy. Which the only, the only, the only reason I would counter that is just because when you have a lobotomy, you don't show any emotion, and she walks those little runways with too much happiness. Yeah, and lobotomies have been outlawed for a few. But there's no, but they're, but they're still, they're still done. Right, but she could have had an underground lobotomy. Um, I mean, uh, under the table lobotomy. Who knows? Um, wow, we're really all over the place. But there's a part of me that's like the more positive part of me that thinks like, you know, I've told you, she has nothing to promote. This is right. the first time like, in her adult life that she's not doing anything. She's her own person. She's like, yeah. fuck it. I'm here with Sam in my mansion. And I'm gonna I can't do, leave. I, I'm going to do whatever I want. So I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to dance to Otis Redding. Yes, that's I'm what she was doing today. <laughs> I'm going to sweat and wear little outfits that Alexander McQueen gave me just randomly. Why not? Why not? Listen, I would do the same thing if I was Britney Spears. Yeah, so... Like, Who I don't, there's a part of me that I, that's what I want to believe, you know, that she's just being herself. Cause you know, I think that the root of all this was when she had too much choreography in her head, you know, and it's probably still in there. Can you imagine? That's why she's if dancing like, Brittany, so much. Brittany, give me right now the routine to crazy. She'd be like, all right. Crazy. <laughs> That's why you shouldn't have too much choreography in your head, boys and girls. That poor girl, she fucked up her ankle when she was on that MTV Spring Break cruise. Then she messed up her knee on the set of Outrageous. We never got the video. That should have been the next single. You know, whatever. You know what? Instead, we got Radar on two albums. Yes. With a damn horse in the video. (laughs) Whatever. We're we're again we're 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 we are way past the tangent. So everybody, we hope you have a wonderful Fourth of July. Yes. A celebrar America. Yes, guys. You know because nothing says America like patelitos. I. Well, I mean, yeah, let's be honest. Let's be honest. I mean, what am I going to say? No. No. Yeah, I mean, nothing says. <laughs> Nothing says America like a like pastelito. Why are we not croqueta? Not croqueta. Hello. And un cafecito. Ay, qué rico. <laughs> so I want all these things right we now. We hope you listen, laughed, and learned. <laughs> I can't believe that we had such a serious conversation with Tom. And here we are talking about Paul Abdul and Britney Spears. But You know what? He'd probably join us. But um, anyway, everybody, again, have a happy 4th of July. Have a great weekend. Um, as always, grab your patelito, your croqueta, and your cafecito. Thank you for joining us. We hope you listen, laugh, and learn. And that was episode 116. Thank you so much, everyone. Bye, people. Cuídense. Pero Let Me Tell You is co-hosted by Darian Borges and Ismaeliano, produced by Ismaeliano, and our theme, Pero Let Me Tell You Freestyle, is composed by Michael Angelo Lomlaplex, the official gay guy. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.